When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. It is time for another episode of The Blackout, coming to you from bellyupsports.com. I am Thomas Black, your host, and we have got a lot of stuff to look at from college football from this past week, a lot of exciting games in week six, and of course, more exciting stuff to come here in week seven. This past weekend saw a lot of interesting things. We start off with Michigan coming away with a win, yet looking as ugly as ever in a 10-3 to win against Iowa. Oklahoma, Texas, and Georgia all trailed on the road, yet all came away with relatively convincing wins against inferior opponents. LSU flat-out dominated Utah State. Then there's Ohio State, who had another dominant win, winning by 24 points against Michigan State, their biggest test of the season to date. And in the biggest game of the day on Saturday, the Florida Gators held serve at home in an 11-point win over Auburn, 24-13. And the Gators ended up controlling that game just the way I thought Auburn would. I know it wasn't a massive upset. Auburn was only favored by about three points, but still a significant win for Florida at home to stay undefeated. And if you listened to the show last week, you know that Nick Delatori from GatorCountry.com was here to tell you that Florida was going to come away with a win against Auburn. And like we talked about last week, with Florida coming away with the win, Nick will be back here on the show today as the Gators head on the road this week for a second consecutive week in a top 10 showdown as the Gators head to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to face number five LSU. Now, I apologize, but I don't have much time to get into a first segment with you this week. It has just been one hectic week. But before I go off to break, I want to remind you of a couple of ways that you can help the blackout grow. Of course, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show, whether it's on iTunes or Google Play or any of the other myriad of places you can download podcasts across the internet. Secondly, share the blackout with your friends and family any diehard college football fans out there. Then you can like the blackout on Facebook. When you're done with those, leave some ratings and some reviews on both iTunes and on Facebook. The next thing you can do is bring your phone out and save the number for blackmail, 706-406-3566. And sometime when you want a chance, 24-7-365, Give that number a call and you can get your thoughts or questions here on the blackout. Then to support the blackout and bellyupsports.com, go jump on the college football forum at bellyupsports and click on the game of the week this week, Oklahoma and Texas. Project a winner and a final score. If you're right, you get a chance to walk away with a free t-shirt 
from the Belly Up Sports Shop. If multiple people get the pick exactly right, then everybody who's correct gets thrown into a hat, one name will be drawn, and they get a free t-shirt from the shop. And the last thing I'll suggest, for those of you who want to support the show in any way you can, go jump on the Belly Up Sports Shop, find the blackout t-shirt, And if you want to purchase one of those, that is one of the best ways that you can support both me, The Blackout, and BellyUpSports.com. I have to thank each of you who have already bought a t-shirt. The support is awesome. I love seeing those numbers come in. And it really does mean so much to have each one of you here because you, the listeners, really make The Blackout what it is. The more of you that come and listen on a weekly basis and spread the word about The Blackout... That means that the show grows over time. Now it's time for me to head off to break, but on the other side, I've got Nick Delatori from GatorCountry.com coming back to talk about the Gators and another top 10 matchup with the LSU Tigers hitting the road in Baton Rouge. Thomas Black here for another segment of The Blackout. And joining the show once again is Nick Delatori from GatorCountry.com. Nick, welcome back. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Another big game for Florida, which means uh, another big game for me. And I love uh, Baton Rouge. I love the food down in New Orleans and down in Louisiana. So I'm excited to get there. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what your, uh, your recommendation is, whether you're going to get some jambalaya or, or what is it going to be? It's gonna, yes, the answer is just yes. Whatever they've got, <laughs> crawfish, jambalaya, gumbo, put it all together in a big pot, and I'll just spoon it. Hey, man, you can take it. If I was down there, I would not be eating the same thing as you. I'd probably be eating some, <laughs> uh, some chicken fingers or something. <laughs> you got you to expand your horizons and your taste buds. <laughs> we'll see if we can do that someday. Hey, but you're back with me for a second straight week. A big win Florida's coming off of against Auburn. You predicted it here on the show. I want to know, first and foremost, what is your reaction to where Florida stands now? 6-0, and still ranked in the top 10 in the country, and uh, just how impressive was this win over Auburn? I mean, it's not just a talking point for the players, you know, trying to find motivation, stuff like that. I think Florida was, not that they were being disrespected, but weren't getting the respect, I think, that maybe they had earned. And when someone said, hey, they haven't played anyone, that was true. Um, you know, that was true. You can't say that anymore. Uh, I think what you saw against Auburn, I mean, Florida scored in the second play of the game, never trailed. And they never let Auburn get the momentum. There, there were times maybe where Florida lost a little bit of the momentum, but they never let the other team get it completely. So I think that's what they needed to do against Auburn. They kind of got the ball rolling. I think I said it on Twitter and, and on our site, I said the smartest thing Dan Mullen did when he won the toss was to defer to the second half because the stadium I've been here seven years. That's probably the best environment since I've been covering Florida, Mm. Uh, the best environment, the loudest it was. And if you go ahead and say, Hey, we'll take the ball. I'm an offensive coach. Want my offense out there. You just shut the stadium up for no reason. So the biggest thing I thought that he did was defer. Hey, the crowd's going crazy. Let them be crazy. If our defense is on the field, they can do that. And you know, they responded, Jonathan Grenard, introduced Bo Nix to the swamp with the helmet to the chest on the very first play. And five plays later, you know, Florida's in the end zone. So I think that paid off. So I was impressed by the way Florida looked. And I think they're, you know, starting to earn it. Now, of course, if you go to Baton Rouge and you lose to LSU by 30, everyone says, see, we were right. 
you know, they weren't that good. Um, so you got to do it again. And that's, that's life in the SEC is just having to do it over and over and over. Before we move fully to LSU, I want to ask a couple of uh, tidbits from you about this offense and the way they uh, were able to move the ball. Two guys in particular. What were your thoughts on Freddie Swain and Kyle Pitts and the impact they had on this game? Kyle Pitts is a problem. Um, I mean, he's, he spent, it was, it was interesting because he spent all spring uh, practice with the receivers and we kept asking, is he moving? Is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? What is he? And Dan Mullen said, nobody puts Kyle Pitts in a corner. Uh, He's going to play at any position that we want. So I think when he spent that much time, it was really just to work on the finer details of route running and, and where, and when someone's pressing you, where to put your hands, if they're playing off, how do you break off a route? How, what's a hot route? Cause it's so much different from tight end to receiver in terms of that. And I think you're seeing that now, now that he's back at tight end, he's a much better route runner. Um, and he's too, he's just too physical for, you know, uh, even most nickelbacks, he's too physical for a defensive back. If they're trying to press him uh, and if, if they're a nickelbacks playing against the tight end, they're probably pressing him. He's going to create space that way. Um, there's not, a, I don't think there's a linebacker in the country that's going to be able to run with him. So he's just a problem in space. And there's not really a team that you can look at and say, Oh, well, they have an answer to him. So Florida's going to keep going to him. And he's a great weapon. Van Jefferson said, uh, on Tuesday to me, he said, we'll probably be looking up, you know, in a year or two and Kyle Pitts will be a top 10 pick. Mm. Um, cause he's just that kind of freak. And Freddie Swain to me, Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond are kind of interchangeable. They're not flashy. They're not going to be, you know, all SEC, all American type players, but they're dependable. They're reliable. If, if it's a three-step drop and the ball needs to be out in four seconds, Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond are going to be where they need to be in that four seconds for the, the quarterback to throw them the ball. And I think that's kind of what you saw. Freddie did on on, his, on the second play, that little touchdown. He had that little, not a shimmy, but like a little shake step that I didn't know that he had. And uh, that kind of got him free and let him run. Now, when you look at this Florida defense, no question, it was an impressive performance against Auburn, shutting them down for much of that game. But you flip it to this week, and it's a whole new test, a whole new style of offense they've got to face. So what are your expectations for this Gators defense coming up against an offense that has been high and flying with the likes of Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase? Those are those are some big names, and uh, Gator fans know Jamar Chase for sure because he was a one-time Gator commit um, before flipping. Uh, Derek Dillon also as well. He'll be starting um, for them. I think that's what I saw from from some LSU writers. I said I was doing radio in Baton Rouge um, on Thursday, and I said this, and the guy kind of was caught off guard. I said I think Florida has the best defense in the country. I, I and I said I, I prefaced it by saying I don't know if I'm right, but I don't know what defense you would s- s- put up against that that would make me go, okay, yeah, you're right. Florida's then the second best defense in the country. So until it's until a team can prove that statement wrong, I'm kind of just going with that. I mean, Florida's given up 57 points, and there's three teams that have given up less points. You know, Wisconsin being one of them. They have a great defense as well. Um, LSU hasn't faced a defense like they have against Florida. Um, I think the best defense they've ranked, they've played is ranked in the mid fifties in the country, not, not taking away from anything. Joe Burrow, the, his last 12 games um, since, so he had a bad game against Florida. They pressured him 11 times, sacked him five times in the 12 games since he's completing 68% of his passes for over almost 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So he's been tearing it up since that Florida game, but this is a Florida team that is getting pressure with three and four rushers, 
Um, it's not a great LSU line. It's basically the same LSU line that, you know, put him on the ground last year. And now Joe Burrow has been great under pressure, but Florida's secondary isn't going to give you those same kind of throwing lanes and that same kind of space. So you've been good under pressure, but you've had an outlet to throw to. Florida's not going to give you that outlet. You're going to have to make some really tough throws and some tight windows. So um, it's, it's going to be a great test for Joe Burrow and for LSU. It's also the best offense Florida's faced all year. So a great test for both. Florida's, or Florida's defense and LSU's uh, offense. You flip it over to the other side of the ball, and this LSU defense has been something of a mystery this year. Uh, it's certainly not the style of defense you expect out of the Tigers. They've given up 38 points on the road at Texas. Understandable. They've also given up 38 points on the road at Vanderbilt. Uh, but then this past week, they uh, held Utah State to six points. So they've had some good. They've had some bad. They're probably somewhere in between. Uh, but where can Florida take advantage of this LSU defense? And uh, what do you expect to be the result when the offense is on, on the field for the Florida Gators? So LSU's defense, we talked, we talked so much about Auburn's last week. LSU's is, I think, just as good. They're just different. Um, LSU's defensive line were the big space eaters, really good against the run. I think I said on your show last week, Florida's not running against Auburn. And I mean, they ended up being able to run, but I mean, half of the running yards came off of, you know, one play. Sure. Um, but Florida is, is so when last week and I said, you know, Florida's got to do some stuff to get outside, to get away from that push that you would get against Auburn, LSU's much more equipped to run sideline to sideline than Auburn was. So I don't know if that's what you can do. For me, the big, the big thing for Florida is getting, um, we mentioned Kyle Pitts already, Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, getting those matchups, getting a linebacker. LSU has good linebackers. They're not going to be able to run with those guys. So whether it's motion or scheme, trying to attack the middle of the field against LSU and finding those mis- mismatches, whether it's Kyle Pitts on a smaller defender or with a linebacker who's a better run stopper than, than in pass coverage, or getting Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, some room to wiggle in the middle of the field. I think that's really where Florida is going to need to kind of live. Uh, You know, maybe a big play can happen, but they're really going to have to live uh, on that middle of the field trying to find those mismatches. We talked about this last week, and you may have alluded to it some already, but if you can point to one disadvantage that Florida has and one advantage, what stands out the most for this team in trying to get a win? Where where are they most susceptible, and uh, where's the place that they can really take advantage of something against LSU? Uh, one of the big things I think we haven't seen it since the you know the first two maybe bleeding into the third game missed tackles um, for Florida to LSU's got a great offense if you, if you can get them you know if you're going to turn a four yard play into a forty yard play or turn a no gain into a first down you know ten yard play uh, LSU's going to bleed you dry and you can't do that they've They've kind of figured out the tackling issues, and I think the way that college football, football in general, even in the NFL, you're not doing full tackling in the offseason. It's for injuries, for you know, just regular injuries, for head injuries. You're not doing it. So I think it takes teams a two, three games to kind of get back into the swing of things and actually tackling. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is, listen, it's, it's Florida fans all week. I've been telling them how crazy of an environment it's going to be. This will be my fourth trip down there, my first true night game, though. Um, so I'm expecting even more than normal. It's comparable to the swamp, if not even with the swamp in terms of how loud it is and how much their fans can affect the game. So I told Florida fans, you can't have it both ways. If you think that you made a difference last week against Auburn and that you rattled Bo Nix and, and that you hurt Auburn's chances because of how good you were and how, and how loud you were at the game, you can't say, oh, well, it doesn't matter this week. It matters. It's going to matter. There's going to be a surge of adrenaline for all, um, for LSU, for the fans, for the team. 
withstand that initial surge because uh, it's going to be loud early. If Florida goes out and their offense is on the field first and you drive down the field and score, that place is going to be quiet for an extended period of time. Now they're quiet, and then they're still quiet when their offense is on the field. So try to take them out of the game. If you go out, offense on the field, first play is a pick, that place might crumble with how loud it gets. So withstand that initial surge of adrenaline and energy from LSU, um, and, and don't let that don't let them you know be as loud as they want for three quarters, four quarters. You got to try to take them out of the game. Now, last week, I asked you what your assessment was of this Florida team going forward. You know, at that point, they were 5-0. and They were heading into the Auburn game. Your answer was, check back with me after the Auburn game. So I'm doing it now. They're 6-0, and but a, a tough slate ahead. You know, by my assessment, I think you're looking at the three most difficult games remaining on Florida's schedule, all mm-hmm. being away from home. Of course, this week at LSU, later in the season at Missouri, and of course, you've got the neutral site game against Georgia. So what's your take on the rest of the season and where do you expect it to fall as we go throughout and, you know, including what happens this weekend? Yeah, I think I learned that Florida can kind of win in multiple ways that their defense and they say defense travels. So, you know, maybe your offense doesn't do as well on the road, but defense travels. And and I think we're going to see that. I think what I learned, like I said earlier, I think Florida is, if not the best, one of the top three defenses, you know, there's not many I would put next to them in the country. So I think that'll travel, whether it's to uh, one of the two Columbia's or to Baton Rouge. Uh, and then I think the offense is where there's, they're showing different that they they're finally realizing they're not just beating their head against the wall, trying to run between the tackles. They're finding different ways and, and stretching defenses out to then maybe later in the game, you know, that P Ryan run was supposed to be in tackle he ends up bouncing it outside. Um, they're finding different ways to, to be successful so they're not one dimensional on offense. Cause I think they were almost, you know, they're walking towards that realm of, of becoming a one dimensional offense. So they're figuring that out as well. Um, I, I feel much more confident about Florida on the road at LSU um, after watching them against Auburn, because I know Auburn was close, but if, if there aren't some of those, you know, silly fumbles and stuff, I, I don't think, I think the game would have been even more lopsided on the scoreboard than it was if Florida had played a clean game and, not saying that Florida, you know, that Auburn didn't have a hand in those fumbles or anything like that. I just think that Florida can and would, will get that stuff cleaned up eventually, especially as Kyle Trask gets more comfortable um, playing more because that pocket awareness is something that you can't really teach it. You just have to learn it and it, it comes with reps. I'm guessing by your answer, and I think I saw may have seen some of this on Twitter as well, uh, but were you a little surprised by seeing LSU favored by about 14 points in this game? And what's your uh, score prediction for this weekend? Yeah, if I, were, uh, if I were a betting man, I would – how much money can go to the bank and get a small business loan and put it on 13 and a half? <laughs> I think – I don't know where 13 and a half comes from. I, I thought, hey, you, whenever you're making a line, you give the home team like three and a half just to start. And then I don't know where the other 10 came from. I've seen the line go up to, up, up to 14 and then back down too. Um, I, I don't see that. If I were a betting man, I would, I would take Florida in the points. No problem. Um, I'm, I'm honestly though, we did our podcast earlier today and I picked Florida outright. Um, wow. Maybe I'm a little too high on them after, after Auburn. And sometimes you get caught up in the team that you cover, but I think Florida is going to have answers for Joe Burrow. Um, and, and if they go, but so Florida's game plan this week will be to, try to give LSU's offense the least number of possessions that they can. And if Florida can sustain drives, bleed clock, they're not going to be running up-tempo. They'd rather, hey, if we're both going to get nine offensive drives in this game, we feel really good about our chances of 
holding LSU to 20 points. And uh, Florida has won 22 straight games when they've scored 24. I think Florida can score 24 on the road at LSU. And if they score 24, I have a hard time seeing Florida's defense giving up that many points. Wow. A statement win, it certainly would be for this Gators team. So if you're projecting a win at LSU, what are you looking at season long for this team? Are you looking at maybe an 11-1 and finish? Yeah, maybe something. I said 10 wins. My preseason prediction was 10. Um, it's also, uh, you know, to, to put the other hat on, this is not a must-win game for Florida. Uh, I think you needed to go 1-1 one and one in the last two weeks. And it didn't matter if you lost Auburn at home and won at LSU on the road or beat Auburn at home and lost to LSU. Because then you still have to beat, either way, you're still going to have to beat South Carolina, you're going to have to beat Georgia, and you're going to have to beat Missouri. So if Florida loses to LSU and then goes out and wins those next three games, they're in the SEC championship. Um, I think if they beat LSU, I start, I you know, I immediately, hey, don't look, I can look ahead, and I can overlook South Carolina, who I don't think is very good. <laughs> they they can't. I'm not playing the game, so it doesn't matter if I'm over. I'm, I'm looking towards FSU. I can overlook all the games. I'm with you. Um, it doesn't matter what I do, but I think if they beat LSU on Saturday, you just circle Jacksonville as, hey, that's the, and not even a, because then you're talking about playoff, and hey, with a one-loss SEC team that didn't go to the SEC, let's say Florida beats Georgia, and then loses in the SC championship, Georgia runs the table. Does Georgia get in a team that's been in the top five all year? Do they get into the playoff as a one loss team that didn't go to the SEC title game? It's happened to Alabama before. So you might be looking at Jacksonville as a potential, you know, playoff semifinal game, not just a play in game for the SC championship, but a, a playoff semifinal. Well, Nick, I have to give you a lot of credit. You've been spot on with every single take you've given on Florida so far this year here on the blackout. And, uh, you know, who knows if they go down the road and beat LSU, then uh, we might be welcoming you back to the show a number of more times before the year's done. Well, you just snake bit me. Everything I just said now is going to be wrong (laughs) since you said that. No matter what I do, it's all gone now. Florida's going to lose 75 nothing in Baton Rouge, and, <laughs> and we'll never talk again. Hey, man, I'll tell you, I'm with you. I, I think this game is closer than the 14 points. I mean, I, I'm not sure I'm going over to the edge of picking the Florida on the road in this one. I think LSU probably comes away on their home field, but I do think it's a closer game than two scores. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where that came from. And I think when the lines started coming out, I saw one at like five, and I thought, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Five makes sense. But then when like the 13 was the actual line, I thought, I'm telling all my friends, I get, I get asked every week, like, hey, what do you think about Florida? I'm trying to bet. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I think. And yeah, but 14, I bet the house. Sell your car, set, put that money down. You'll buy a nicer car uh, on Sunday. <laughs> well, as is tradition here on The Blackout, when Nick Delatore shows uh, his voice on the show, I've got one more question for you. This time, it's all not right. pertaining to Arrested Development, uh, but I want to know, the uh, the athletic staff put out a video this week Um talking about uh you know potential for something we might see down the road in terms of attire for the florida gators we saw some black pants what is Mm. going on with the florida gators and do you expect we'll see some black jerseys before the year's done uh potentially not this weekend scott strickland came out and said not this weekend at lsu um here's the thing there's there's uh there's two school there's no gray area it's black or white and with gator fans and I think the younger segment of Gator fans have been begging for a black jersey for a decade. Of course. Uh, the, older, the older segment of the fan base says there's Penn State, Alabama, Ohio State. You know, when you see a jersey 
you know exactly who that team is. And you might throw an Oregon game on and you have no idea who's playing. You're like, oh, it's Oregon. They're in one of their 8,000 combinations. And they say, our jerseys are traditional. They stand out. Why would you mess with that? We don't have black in our colors. Every other team on campus has some kind of black jersey. The basketball <laughs> team, the women's teams, um, the baseball team has a black jersey, and they're all fine with that. But football, it's sacrilegious to them. I love the I love the idea of a black jersey. I would not want to wear a black jersey in September for a noon game in the no swamp. Way. Might die. Um, but as it starts to get cooler, you know, maybe throwing on black jersey at home versus FSU, or uh, if the, if the South Carolina game is, I guess that's on the road. And South Carolina would wear garnet, so they couldn't. But uh, yeah, I'm all for the black jerseys, and and I think Dan Mullen. I think the fans love it or some of the fans love it. I think the players love it and want it. And Dan Mullen wants to keep recruits and players happy, and he doesn't mind black jerseys. They did it in Mississippi State. So, yeah, if you're in the camp of a Gator fan that doesn't want to see black jerseys, you need to just start coming to the realization that it's going to happen. So just prepare yourself that at some point, whether it's this year or next year, Florida is going to wear black jerseys. Let's be real. You have better connections with this Florida program than uh, most people in the world. So uh, have you seen black jerseys with your own eyes? No, I have not seen them with my own eyes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Nick. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. Looking forward to the game. We'll see if the Florida Gators can come away with another massive win and really launch themselves into, you know, if they come away with this one, it'd be much higher talks than they've seen so far to be along with some of the preseason hype of can they make the college football playoff. So looking forward to this one, have a safe trip over there and uh, we'll look forward to hearing back from you again sometime later this year. Well, hopefully they win because I've enjoyed being on the show and uh, if they start losing, then there'll be no point to have me on. So hopefully they win. <laughs> well, Nick, you're one of the best interviews out there that I've had. So I'm looking forward to doing it again, whether it's this year or another year, it'll certainly happen again. So looking forward to it sometime down the road. Thanks, Thomas. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. He is Nick Delatori, and as always, you can find all of his great work at GatorCountry.com and at Nick Delatori GC on Twitter. And man, does he have some awesome action to watch this weekend as the Florida Gators and the Tigers from LSU tussle. Like I said earlier, Nick has been spot on with everything he said, and if you're going with him, and I'll tell you, he's not far off. If you think Florida's defensive unit is the best in the country, then this might be the best defensive unit versus the best offensive unit in the entire country. You better buckle up because this is going to be a fun one. Like I told Nick, I can't side with him with picking Florida to win this game outright, but I think it's a close one. I'm going to go with a higher scoring game than he says. I'm going LSU 34, Florida 27. And now as I close out the show, I need you to do one thing for me. Go to the College Football Forum on bellyupsports.com. Find the topic for the Texas-Oklahoma game. Go and project your winner and the final score. If you land on it exactly right and you're the only one, you get to pick any one of the t-shirt designs out of the Belly Up Sports shop. Hint, hint, if multiple people guess right, then all the names are thrown into a hat and one name is drawn to win that t-shirt. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and next week, be sure to join me again for another episode of The Blackout. We'll <laughs>